Left. Right. So this evening's episode is definitely an interesting one. We're talking about homeowner association, homeowner association fees, talking about condo and co-op fees in the form of maintenance fees, common charges, real estate taxes. I think it's a pretty interesting discussion if you're if you're not an owner of any of these types of places and you're looking at getting into property owning, whether it's a single family, whether it's a condo or a co-op, definitely interesting stuff. Uh, also, we kind of get into some anti-Semitic remarks at the end that we were talking about uh, that I came across through one of the agents. Uh, bad stuff, but uh, but definitely some interesting perspective. So uh, listen on, let me know what you think, and I'll catch you guys on the other end. Also, be nice. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 All right. We're now live across all three platforms. Welcome to Sip Talk. This is episode 77. My name is Justin DeGiulio. I'm joined, as usual, by James the Bosnator Boswell and David Boswell. Does not have the Bosnator status. Uh, let me just ask David. Although he you, should. He probably should. David, you just hold up a drink. What are you drinking? Uh, well, still recouping my losses for my first visit to your show. So uh, it's still Evan Williams. Evan Williams. Oh, that's not bad. James, what do you have uh, over there, down there? Uh, the old, tr- the trusty standby of Bush Ice. You must have a good supply of that somewhere nearby. Dude, it's like it's eight a- bucks for a 15 pack. So it, it's, it's no big flats, but it'll do. <laughs> Dude, I miss Big Flats so much. So, so look, guys. So, obviously, we want to talk some some real business stuff. We got uh, we want to talk about HOA fees. Want to talk about common charges and maintenance fees because that's kind of the New York City uh, similarity to HOA fees. Um, and James, you're looking at buying a place soon. Uh, you're in the process of buying the place. Really, I recently uh, made a purchase in outside of New York City. And David, you do you rent right now? I run right now, yes. Oh, cool, so outside of being homeless, we kind of stay on the spectrum, so that's good. And I work in mortgages. And you work in mortgages, cool. So um, let me just ask, because I, I want to talk about some current event stuff, because there's it's some stupid shit going on. Uh, and, and as, it, as every week. As, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking about going on like a news cleanse where I, I only do print uh, print news. Uh, I heard somebody saying the other day that if it's not like if you only hear it on the radio, it's not important if it doesn't really make a difference. So if you're reading like the Sunday newspaper or a monthly news publication uh, at whatever kind of your focus in the news is, if it doesn't make it there, it's just kind of the day to day that it's, it's not that important. And I kind of like that idea. So I'm thinking about cutting out the I listen to a ton of radio um, and when the TV's on, it's usually some version of news. James, what did Bader say that reading a two-page article in besides USA Today, basically any standard print newspaper is about equivalent to watching about an hour of TV news? I'm not sure how that translates for radio, but in terms of information digested and processed, two oh, pages or yeah, yeah, just reading versus an hour of watching, you get the same amount. It'll take you five minutes. There's so much bullshit that I hear on the radio, and like some of it is just like i can i can taste kind of the uh the motive like what they're going it's 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 just really really annoying um and I, I, i'll go there in a second but uh what's what's kind of the predominant mortgage rate right now david like what's a decent rate i va loans today i, I did a few at 2.5 standard loans today rates shot up by about a quarter point to a half point across the board because of what was happening in uh, the mortgage-backed securities market. Can't talk, I mean, you don't want me to talk too much about that, but rates went up because mortgage bonds were looked at less favorably, so rates went up on the bonds. And uh, a lot of people were trying to lock in today and rates went up. So you're looking right now, I'd say probably a 3% rate, but everything is a factor of another factor. It's all a function. So you can do a lower rate and pay more for the mortgage. Your closing costs are higher. 
or have a higher rate and your closing costs could be nothing. You could come to the table with zero and close on the loan, but at a higher rate, but it's all a function of the other. So it's, it's hard to answer that question with a, a straight cut and dry answer. But, so, but around, around 3% or kind of standard loan. Again, there's so many factors here between how much you're putting as a down payment, what your credit score is, the nature well, of the loan. If you want to put, I think, let's, what if you want to put down 10% and you're covering okay. costs, what's a good percentage you're getting for a mortgage? You could be around, I mean, two and three quarters is solid. Okay, so, so 2.75. All right. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, I mean, we're still at historically low rates. They, they shot up today, but we're still, I mean, I mean, you, you could call today, I'm not saying it's a dead cat bounce of just like popping up a little bit from all time lows. It could keep going up if we see the, the bonds trading the same way, but you're still at a really great place to buy if you have the money. Yeah. Well, if you're in that position. I see it. I see it going up. Um, yeah. I just, I think it's going to keep going up. So let me just ask you, because I want to, I just, I'm, I'm curious if you guys, this is kind of a bullshit news thing that I, I, I'd be happier forgetting, but you heard about this girl who put glue, glue in her hair. Every warning, label, every warning label exists because someone has tested the theory. Wait, hold on. That, that makes me think of one of my favorite phrases, which I'm sure you've heard it before when people talk about, yeah, it's idiot proof. And all I can think is that they have some facility where they bring in a product and then they deploy a horde of idiots to see if they can break it. <laughs> and if the if it passes like QC from the idiot factory, then it gets the label idiot proof. And I can I, I just have this image of like the idiot proofing facility. Well, that's a really interesting tie in with the Peter principle of you're elevated to the job that you're the first incompetent for so you get yeah. up to the level of your incompetence and i think that actually explains what we might be seeing i'm not sure justin now, have you have you guys do we know if she got the glue out of her hair is that, is that been, i think i she, saw she had burns from the glue or the solvents on her like she got hurt i'm not i'm not saying it was a good idea but like she she got hurt because of what happened what she like, did to herself, like the like the the chemical burns from just like the the glue interacting with her skin. That uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I did not dive that deep into it. For Justin to explain the purpose of trying to forget about the story of like this is a story, and it's only picked up since I first saw it like two or three days ago. It was on Long Crimes. Like she actually might have a good case. Like uh, McDonald's coffee is often ridiculed, but that was actually a a good case because they serve coffee at a temperature no one could ever drink it at like 10 degrees below boiling and they had also been warned a number of times like hey you guys should stop serving such hot fucking coffee it's so, often so, misrepresented as like a, a what 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 david and james are referring to is the story where the woman sued mcdonald's because she spilled the coffee on herself and she was burnt which seems like a kind of dumb shit to do you spilled coffee what did you expect but what they're saying is that the case was a pretty solid case because the coffee was at an extreme temperature right below boiling, which if anybody has ever boiled anything, it's not ingestible. And she did have pretty severe burns and she had a decent case um, because just there's no reason coffee should reach that temperature right before it's served you. Now, I really, you know, I have to, I have to go the Darwinist route here and 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 just say like just kind of fair. Regulate. However, she the woman now has an agent, and every, <laughs> everybody. I mean, her I'm hair. Just thinking, like, what 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 is she? What is the agent going to do for her? Well, I wonder if the agent reached out to her, or if maybe there was. I just it seems like a bit of a ploy. The fact that you do some dumb shit and then you it's one thing if you like try to sue. But she did some dumb shit and shared it on the internet, created a buzz, and, and now, now she's this, getting rewarded for it. This, this, well, all right, sorry, I, I thought you were talking about the McDonald's. Lady no, 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 we're talking this about is before internet. Yeah, yeah sorry. no, no, Gorilla yeah. Goo lady now has an agent. Um, yeah, that's that's stupid. Um, <laughs> I just, I just hold on. Really, uh, when, I, when Justin said that, all I can think is like she's now monetizing her stupidity, which makes me think that idiocracy just won like another point. Well, I mean, no, it's, the, it's the American dream. Look at the last her, eight years. You can give her some points for, for monetizing some dumb shit that she did. 
in in that respect, it, there's a bit of there's a morsel of respect there. But um, uh, I don't know. That that was that's some some dumb shit. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much he's making from the agent deal because I've done some really stupid shit that you could pay me a lot of money to talk about. I'd still say, nah, man, I'm not sharing that with the world. And super glue actually probably outpaces a lot of them. And I've done some stupid things. Well, well, so look, so I, I obviously you guys know probably firsthand some dumb shit that I've done. A lot of it involves cars. Uh, yep. but something it just makes me think because I, I actually jotted it down. I posted this the other day over the weekend uh, because I got a reminder on social media about some stuff that happened five years ago. And in 2016, I was driving upstate uh, on Valentine's Day to see my mom. I had some flowers in the back of the car. I wanted to surprise her. And it was a remarkably cold evening. And I remember it being like negative 10 or negative 20. And I'm like, that's, I haven't, I don't even know if I've ever experienced that temperature. It seems like maybe in my head, I'm exaggerating somehow. And I was just going to leave it alone and be like, ah, oh, there's no way it was that cold that night. Um, and I ended up with a crazy flat tire on the side of the Northway. And it was just, it was too cold to do anything outside of the garden. And I looked up the historic weather data and the negative for that day. And bear in mind, this is like 10 o'clock at night. So it's, it's pretty, as much as cold as it gets. The negative uh, for the day was negative 23 degrees where I was. So it was a really good chance it was obnoxiously cold. But what happened was I was driving upstate. I was in the 9-11 and the tire just exploded. And I, I think there's a decent chance that maybe it was like super underinflated because of the cold weather. That's a, yeah. that's a guess. Um, but that car didn't come with a spare. So that's a really unfortunate place to be, but I guess they don't put a spare in this car. However, they do put a uh, tire inflator in the car. So that's nice. They give you, they give you the tire pump. Uh, nice. Just like a smart car. Sure, but there's no, but if your tire explodes and this tire literally exploding, um, you, what are you inflating? Did you have Gorilla Glue? I did not have, I didn't have Gorilla Tape. I didn't, I didn't have <laughs> Yeah, duct tape. So, <clears throat> um, yeah. And then I was thinking about, so, you know, I've had a couple of times in the Cayenne that the, that I hit a bump. Of, I mean, I drove that thing like it was a tank and like 80 miles an hour everywhere. Um, but hit some crazy potholes hard and the actual wheel fractured in half. And it happened twice on two different wheels. Which which is really and the Cayenne. Cayenne. I didn't. Oh, the one you had in uh, the DR. Yeah, that which was an awesome car, and you know because I knew it was a bad investment from the beginning, I drove it well, maximum excitement. And, and what's that? You thing? you lived you lived in Charleston. I, I worked in car sales in Charleston and finance a little bit. So where they're you know getting your loan and selling you all the bullshit products. The product that we sold that was not bullshit, tire and road hazard. That was our highest sold product. And we made so much money off of it because we didn't have to pay out the claims. And it was the highest claimed against item in all of service because the Charleston roads and the Charleston curbs. Yep. People, people blow tires all the time. Tyler, I had someone come in. It was the other finance manager's girlfriend. She bought CLA. He's a shit car. Um, but she hit a, must've been a, like a fist size rock on 526. And she calls Tyler and says, Hey, I just got this warning light. Oh, well, you better come in. We'll, we'll get the tire fixed. She comes in. This car doesn't come with a spare either, but it comes with a run flat tires that a lot of people don't like because they're, they're stiff. They run a little bit rougher. She made it 20 miles from Mount Pleasant 526 all the way around the ring to West Ashley. There was a fist size hole in her rim. The tire was still inflated, not inflated. Obviously it was just because it right. had the rigidity, but she made it there. That's but funny. yeah, it doesn't come with a spare. But if it blows up like you did, you're fucked. Um, I think I think tire technology is something we're going to see take some some big jumps. Um, all right, uh, so I want to get into the real estate aspect of things. Obviously, at the core, this was originally a real estate podcast. But what we're talking about today is 
uh, HOAs, which is homeowner association with drugs. Specifically, about the fees, James. Are we talking about? I just like I was thinking just the case for and against, which obviously is going to roll the fees in part of the conversation, but okay. it's also just the general concept of do you want to live in an HOA? Okay, so let me touch on the co-op and condo aspect first. It's a lot easier to explain. And I want to go more in the HOA department because it's actually not something I'm at all familiar with and not something that I encountered out in, in Jersey. So, right. so are you, you're not in an HOA? No, no. So when you're buying a condo, you're looking at paying common charges and real estate tax. Obviously, you're paying real estate tax because you're buying real property and you're paying um, the common charges, which cover things like the common areas. So if, that, if there's elevators or if you have a super, it'll cover the salary for the super or if there's doormen. Uh, if you have a lounge, it'll cover, you know, covers that, covers electric for the building um, and just regular maintenance for the building. Um, when you buy a co-op, you pay a maintenance fee. And because you don't own the actual property, you're basically allotted a shareholder uh, lease on a unit in the building. So you're technically leasing that and you're leasing it from the building. The maintenance fees include the real estate tax on the building and you're it, that's broken down into a fractional share of the building. Um, it's when you go to get a mortgage in New York City, it's something you need to account for, not just your mortgage cost, but these additional charges as well. And I've seen them range from four, five, six hundred bucks uh, to kind of in the is this under, a year? No, a month. A month. A month. And I see usually if you're looking at like a one bedroom uh, south of Harlem, you're in the $1,000 to $1,200 range for either condos or co-ops in terms of your, your monthly maintenance. And that's on the low end. We're talking like $750,000 or less for the for the space. So we're talking rent prices for other apartments in just a maintenance co-op condo charge. It's, it's basically money that it's it's like going towards your taxes or something every month on top of your mortgage. Um, and uh, I mean, it's just something you kind of have to deal with. Here in New Jersey, we have a mortgage and then we have real estate taxes. Uh, and, and it's a property little, insurance. Well, yeah, but it's a little more um, simplified and considerably less than what you're looking at in Manhattan. Obviously, well, Manhattan again, you, you bought a detached residence, which is completely different than the it, joint residences. That's, that's what I was. That's what I was getting. At. It's in Manhattan. It's much smaller. It's much more dense. And typically, your property where you're living is sandwiched between people on either side of you, above and below you. Um, so, and you know, they have to pay taxes and it's collective when you're in a big building. So a lot of shared expenses with the other people in your building. So James, get, get into a little bit more about, so when I think HOA, I think you live in a gated community and you're kind of paying for basically whoever's operating the general facility. So the property, like the grass that's on the entrance way and the gates, and I don't, you, we lived in, the three of us all lived in the same place in South Carolina. Um, David, you lived there, right? At, at, uh... I did, yeah, for, for a time. So, well, that... so there's a difference between, well, I guess if you, if, you, if you live in an apartment complex, then rolled into your rent. Like, so my apartment complex, there's property managers, there's maintenance staff, and my rent covers their salaries ostensibly. So there, I don't, and it's not broken out. It's not like I can see $300 a month of my rent goes to covering the property managers, 200 pays for maintenance, right? It's just, here's your rent. But if you own like, so I, I rent right now, I don't own, but if I owned a townhouse, like one of my friends does just up the road. So he owns his, his condo and he pays mortgage on it. And then as part of that condo, there's an HOA community for the condo, which I think if you're, if you're living in a condo, HOAs are unavoidable because you're I living in a building away from it. Yeah. You're living in a building with, I don't know, seven other units and definition, each one's response. Managed. Yeah. Each one of those units is responsible for some amount of the repairs and the insurance on it. And it would be really hard to be able to divide those costs out among each unit 
and say, you're responsible for this portion of your roof and you're responsible for that portion. And then also there's common areas. I think he's got like maybe a, a community pool or something at his condo or whatever. So his HOA fees go to cover that. And so I can understand when you're living in a community where there's shared resources or whatever that you can't really deny access to to anybody. Like you can't deny access to the repairs on one part of the roof because if one part of the roof goes, it's going to eventually affect yours. So for townhomes, HOAs to me make sense. But when you live in a detached residence, when you've got your own land in your own house and you're independent from everybody else, so you can have an HOA community where your HOA fees go to cover maintenance of the general area. So as you said, like if you've got, if it's a gated community and then you're paying someone to operate the gates, you're paying for the, the lawn care and maintenance of the, pro of the property that is not owned by people. If you've got a clubhouse or pool or any other amenities, then your HOA is going to, your fees are going to go to cover that. But also, and I had this discussion with um, an older guy that I referee with about HOAs and I told him my opposition to it. And he says, your opinion will change once you become a, a property owner. And I said, why? He says, because the HOA is also going to make it so that when your neighbor decides to put like a, a 72 Nova up on blocks in his front yard, that you're going to have some recourse about it. And I said, that's not going to matter to me. I like, he's like, it protects your property values because you meet, it means that everybody in the community is going to be meeting at least some minimal standard so of presentation. That's, that's an issue that you don't care about. You don't care that your neighbor's working on a car, but let's, I'm, I'm going to be the one with the no, Nova no, in let, my yard too. I'm, I don't give a shit about cars either, <laughs> but there are certain things that I might want. I might not want next to my house. Let's say I live next to someone and they have a neon sign flashing the swastika every night in front of my bedroom. It's kind of nice to have the recourse. To, and again, we had this conversation earlier today dealing with local regulations. Let's just say this is totally unincorporated property. There are no ordinances and there's no zoning. You have zero recourse. It would be kind of nice to live in HOA at that point where you'd say, hey, I kind of like this shit to stop. So I, I think you can just fight fire I mean, with fire there. Just put I mean, like a big flat screen facing uh, the swastika I mean, that pays 24 hour gay porn. But you don't want to do that. So uh, no, I want that shit inside. Yeah. But, but listen, listen, um, I think what, what it sounds like is you're most frustrated with the fact that you're looking at detached property and come to find out it's in some type of community and you were not expecting to have an additional fee on top of what the mortgage is. So you're looking at places that you believe to be in your price range, and then there's another X number well, of dollars. There's, there's two factors. So one is definitely the added cost of, I've got my mortgage and all the stuff that goes along with that. But there's also the idea that if I'm paying for property and this is my land and this is my house or whatever, mm -hmm. then I have a ideological opposition to somebody being able to tell me what I can and can't do with my property so long as it's legal. But okay. if so I want I, like, I, like, I, I don't like the idea that like, if I want to mow my lawn every other week, or I want to paint the house a different color, or I forget to bring the garbage can off the side of the street after the day that it was picked up, or I have an extra car in my drive and my driveway because someone's spending the weekend with me. I don't want to have to worry about somebody finding me as long as it's not parked on the street and I get a ticket and from the city. These are all common, legitimate things that HOAs do. Honestly, they're kind of on the bland side of the stupider shit that they do. Like, oh, those are all American. I would be just as frustrated, which is, you know, probably it wasn't an issue moving out here because we were looking for, I wanted more space and more privacy. And I think probably it didn't come along with any, it didn't come across really any HOAs because we were further out and there's, there's more of a spread out here. But you're looking in Charleston, South Carolina, the greater city, and it is a bit more dense down there. Uh, more, definitely more communities. Um, Counter, counterpoint on this exact point, I saw something of someone who bought a 20 acre lot in Virgin Montana land. And when they bought the lot, they got up there and they found out there's an HOA. Granted, this was for graveling and leveling the one and a half mile driveways to all the houses. You remember Dykin Pond and our yep. driveway and how you need that shit leveled. So it wasn't, it wasn't stupid, but like they didn't know that these are 20 acre plots at a minimum. 
they still had an HOA. Virgin land never developed, but someone bought all that land and they made an HOA there. So even in the most undeveloped, you can still trip into this. Yeah. And like, so the, the place that I'm bidding on right now, so it's um, just under a quarter acre and there's two houses that are both within about 50 feet of my house. And there's no HOA because the first instruction that I gave to my real estate agent, I said, don't even bother sh showing me a property with an HOA. I won't look at it. You can just strike anything that has an HOA off the list. I won't consider it. Um, but um, this property, my youngest brother, who's going in on the property with me, um, he had he had some misgivings about it because he felt that there, like the houses were pretty close and that we might have some issues with neighbors if they're weird or whatever. And when I talked to the agent about this and he said, let me tell you something. I understand where you're coming from with the neighbor thing, but you can have issues with neighbors regardless of the size of your lot. A nosy oh, neighbor is going to find a way of being nosy, whether they're an acre away, 10 acres away, or 30 feet away. I, yeah, and I, I was going I was going to mention that. Um, yeah, I get, so, I mean, the thing is, the property value thing and somebody detracting from your property value is, is definitely a concern. And eyesores, definitely a thing. Uh, and David, the swastika thing, I don't want to forget about that because I did want to talk about uh, some racism stuff. Uh, I'm not quite sure how to segue into it. I'm still, I'm still trying, but let's, I, I don't want to, I don't want to drop that. So, so. It's a means of recourse if you don't have recourse, because again, look, if you want a flash of swastika outside of your house, but, but, I mean, you, you, you are protected, but it depends on where you're living. But you also yeah, have yeah. people putting up Trump signs, which to other people and not everybody realizes this, but some people interpreted Trumpet, a trumpet, a Trump sign the same as a swastika. Uh, but but um, I wanted to talk, James, before we got an air, we, we were talking, well, we were talking a little bit about the offer process and you were getting frustrated with the fact that you can't be in direct contact with the seller and you were, you were really kind of frustrated with the process. So I want it's like to, an arranged it's like an arranged marriage well it's to a degree but but just run run me through the where you where you were and where the frustration happened because I yeah, think and so a lot you of as people, a real estate agent can help explain this in yeah, a way I that I definitely. all right so to make to quickly found a place looked at it once thought about it looked at it another time decided to put in an offer talked to my agent and decided that we we're going to offer on it and I told him I said I'm I'm okay if the bid gets rejected, but I want to start somewhere. So they listed it at 310. I said, we're going to come in at 282. I said, is, like, I want to start at the bare minimum for what's a reasonable offer without negotiating in bad faith. So look, let me just tell you, if you, so there's a thing about putting in an offer that's insulting and too low and you're not going to get any traction. And it may actually, even if you up your offer, you've already, you already made that person dislike you but we had this you, exact conversation but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm going to actually say james but i don't know your local economy but i don't think just looking at the numbers that you just gave me that your offer was obnoxiously low i actually right. think it was a very reasonable offer and i think with the right next moves you could you could actually pull something off but but it sounds well that's and that was the strategy is i asked right. my agent i said i don't want to get, negotiate in bad faith i don't want to put them off and say like i'm offering 250 because that would be too low yeah 200, 200. There, there we go yeah exactly um and so i said what i get paid every minimum, time i submit an application what's the minimum that i can offer that's going to start the conversation but still be kind of a low f a, a low ball that I expect to get rejected, but it sets a stage. And he says, probably 280, 285. And I said, all right, let's go 280, 250. So that's what we did. So that was our first offer. And he sent me the contract. I read through it, signed it off, gave it to him. He sends it out. Okay, cool. Um, by the end of the day, he calls me up and he says, okay. Um, oh, the other thing that's important to know that so this property was originally listed at 330. They dropped the price down to 320. Then they, and right now in Charleston, a lot of properties are going within two or three days of listing. The market's super hot. Yes. So this property was originally listed in December. It's now mid-February. So this market's been on the, two, on the market for two months in a, in a market where a lot of things are selling in two or three days. It's also held by a trust. 
So I look at it as these people are just like, they inherited this property, somebody died and they just need to get their money for it. They asked for too much and they've been sitting out, they're going to get antsy. So I say, I've got leverage in this negotiation because they just want to, they, they just want their money. And mm-hmm. they've already, they've already stepped up their basis on it. So they don't even have to worry about capital gains or losses. James, big, big point here. Uh, the reason buying power has shot up is because interest rates have dropped. And oh, as we talked about earlier today, interest rates just shot back up by a lot. So that will diminish buying power elsewhere. Uh, that should hem you into your position. Like, hey, everyone's points just went up by a half point. So it gives you more 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 yeah keep that in mind from when you started this week ago but i like that idea um so anyways keep that in mind i put in at 282.50 they were at 310 282.50 my agent comes back and says all right we got a counter offer what is it he says 298 and i say that's too far away from me we can come up with a different i i can i can counter back and the i settled on 287 as my counter back and then so we put in the offer this morning and my agent calls me up and he so, says, can, I, can I just pause you on that though? There's what? so your offer was probably kind of a standard close, maybe 60 days, maybe 90 days, you know, uh, providing you an inspection or, or whatever. But you made your counter offer back to them at a higher price. You can always counter offer at the same price, but with slightly different terms. Yeah. And double down your original offer. You're like, hey, this is what it is but we're willing to do this and close in this time, providing I can get this in. Right. So basically what I'm asking for is I want them to cover the closing cost to minimize the amount of cash that's coming out of my pocket. And so I'm willing to move in terms of the amount that I'm going to be financing versus the amount that's coming out in cash. So my original offer was 290 less 7,500 of closing costs. So that gets mm-hmm. you to 2825. Their, their counter was 299 less 1,000. So then I, I came back and I said, all right, we'll do 294 less 7,000. And that's where we stand right now. I haven't heard back from them. I talked to my agent this morning. And what I say to him is, look, I'm getting really frustrated here because I'm only, like every, every round of these offers is taking a day or two to go through. And I have to fill out a contract and re, like re-sign everything again and again. Whereas I feel like if the four of us you, my agent, my agent, myself, the seller's agent and the seller were to all get together either by phone or in person, more likely phone. We could probably hash all of this out in under an hour. Why can't we do that? So like playing so, virtual checkers with someone where well, you have to wait 24 hours for the next play. And that's, and that's very, very frustrating. Trust me, like we deal with a lot of international people and like the fact like I send an email and I have to wait a whole day to get an answer on it. And then I can't reply to that email. But like, it's just dealing internationally with the answer. Um, so typically what I find that happens when you put the buyer and the seller in contact is the deal falls apart. Why is that? Um, it's because most people are very bad negotiators. Now, the real estate agents for the most part now, their fiduciary duty is to their client, but they're also trying to make a deal. So a good real estate agent is, is really going to do their best to see the other person's perspective and almost like playing chess, be a step ahead of them, understanding what they're thinking, um, and, and also be fast. The problem is you get some bad real estate agents that aren't good negotiators. They're not good with people. They're not good at making things happen very quickly. And you do this back and forth. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know your real estate agent. I don't. Know my agent's it. been pretty good, but that's also because I've had to tell him I've I've been pretty strong with a lot of my convictions. And I even told him this morning when he says, "Well, normally, like you would kind of tell me where you stand in terms of like what's your open, what's your walk away point, what are the things that are important to you, and then I negotiate for you." And I told him the only thing that I've been looking forward to in the process of buying a home is getting to be the negotiator. And now you're taking that away from me. Well, I'm paying you to do it. I mean, yeah. Well, you're not paying him. No, he's going to get paid by the seller. Yeah. But you're, I mean, it's not like you can negotiate money off of of his commission. Little column A, little column B. But so to your point about how um, if the buyer and the seller get together, the deal falls apart. What about the buyer and the seller's agent? 
again, but but now you're but now you're asking your agent to just step back and give up. And it's a really difficult place. It's a difficult, he doesn't want to see the deal die. So if if he puts you in direct touch, it's well, it's a very it's here's a the very thing. The, the thing he is, James, the, he's going to see the deal die if I don't get to negotiate is one uh, of the other J- possibilities. James, James, we saw this in car sales, and you've never worked direct sales, which is tough. But no, in have. car sales, when three, you did insurance points. for yeah for a week, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right shut all right. up, you didn't. No, in car sales, this is a third base coach. A third base coach is never welcome. Justin, I think you can understand what I'm talking about here. Someone who's not financially interested but is directing what's going on, and that always fucks up your deal. So the, the, but I'm the runner, not the third. But the thing is, so your agent could be very good at identifying properties for you, things like that, but he may not be the best negotiator. At the end of the day, a real, an agent who's a really good salesperson and really good people person is, is going to be the one who's going to help you close the fastest and get you the closest to what you're looking for. And it is about being slick and it's about, it's almost about playing the other party, but your agent needs to represent your interest and he needs to hold the other agent accountable. Like, look, I have this offer. I need an answer by two o'clock this afternoon. Let me, let me know. Otherwise we're going to move on to another place. And my buyer really likes this place, but he doesn't have time for bullshit. Do me a favor, get off the phone, call your person, call me back in five minutes. Call me back whether you got them on the phone or not. I just want to know if you got them on the phone, what happened, or if you didn't get them on the phone, when you think you can speak to them next. Give me, I'll talk to you in five. Bye. And you just hang on. Justin, as a licensed real estate agent, do you have a true legal fiduciary duty? Or yeah. is it just in you do? Well, legally, yeah, that's one of your major duties. First of all, as a licensed real estate agent, there's no such thing as an unlicensed real estate agent. All right. <laughs> You're just breaking the law. Um, second off, a lot of agents, so I like really like playing by the rule book because I feel like you can, I don't know, I just feel like you can use that to your advantage, the fact that you play by the rule book, but you know the rule book really, really well. Um, your fiduciary duty is to your client, which if you're a buyer's agent, that would be James in this case, or if you're a seller's agent, that would be the seller. Now, you have to be real with the market. and. There's a lot of stats and studies that come out that for, whether fit, uh, for sale by owners get more money or less money than properties that are listed by the agent. Um, and I've seen, I've seen the studies go both ways. But you know, at the end of the day, my thinking is either you, you my job is a full-time job as an agent. I'm less of an agent these days, more of a business owner. But what I do is a full-time job. So if you want to represent your property on your own and do all of that work, be my guest. If you don't, that's what I'm here for. And that, you know, that's, I don't think it's a very hard sale, but it, you know, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of correspondence that, that we do. Um, and if you have a life outside of listing your property, list, if you're listing your, and marketing your property the right way or searching for a property the right way, that's going to eat into everything else that's going on here. Well, to your point about what my agent can and can't do for me. So I look at it as my agent's going to be able to help me find properties. He's going to be able to help contact the other agent and like get viewing times. He's going to be good on terms of getting the paperwork and a lot of the logistics out of the way. And I, I, I get that a lot of people either don't like or actually are afraid of negotiation, in which case having an agent that will negotiate for you is great. I'm not one of those people. So I want to be the one doing the negotiation. And that's the only part that I want to be a part of. And that's because you just from, like, you just like arguing. Folks. Yes, like, I well, do. That's what, so let me, let me. But that's how you see negotiation. Let me, let me back you up. Let me back you up. It's not helpful. As a salesperson, here's a secret skill, not so much a secret skill. But let me ask you, James, would you say your uh, interpersonal skills are the best? What I want them to be. <laughs> no, David, 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 David and I not. both know. So 
Uh, That's why I said, like, you love arguing, but negotiating is not arguing. And Justin so, can speak to this a lot better than I can. Well, what, what I will say is, is James probably one, probably the smartest person I know. know. I'm sure I know. I, there's a good chance I know people that are way smarter than you. Uh, I don't know if that's not because I'm not. I hide it well. But, I, I but, do. But um, <laughs> based but, on the evidence. But I think, you know, I think you're a uh, very smart person. But um, I think when you, an argument versus a negotiation. This is, I, I'm not looking to argue here. I, I'm but, like, negotiation I think you are very good. where you are. I think Call you the are very good. James isn't looking to argue. What the fuck? I think you're a very good arguer because you double down on what you know to be right. And you're not going to double, double down on something that is not right. So you might have an opinion, but you're not you're not going to double down on it unless you know it's fact, right? Okay. When it comes to negotiation, it's a lot more like playing poker, where there's no fact, there's a lot of BS, and there's a lot of gray area with that conversation. Um, I'm aware of all of this. I know. Sure. What we're trying to tell you is that you see the two things as the same thing, and they're not the same thing. You see negotiation as an argument where you're right and you can win, but no, you're taking no, no. Out, no, you're taking out all the emotion of dealing with a home purchase. These people live in this home for 10 years and you're going to lowball them with that. You're not taking into all the things you have to do to soothe them over to get there. Honestly, I haven't had the, I agree. I haven't had the opportunity to do so. Well, let me, I know, let me, and let me thank make God. A and thank let me God. Make a let me make a suggestion. The, the deal's still alive because of it. Um, it what, what are your thoughts on? getting your real estate license and representing yourself. Because um, really, the, the, I, 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 my thinking is, one, you just meet, go to a real estate company and then you have access to all the resources. There should be no monthly fees. There shouldn't really be an onboarding fee if you're joining a traditional brokerage and you're still gonna make money on the transaction. But you, you, the thing is in 2021, a real estate agent's primary role, and I think very far from I don't even think this should really be the role at all, is identifying listings for you, okay? Because you can set up a filter on Zillow or Realtor.com or Trulia, and you're going to get those listings near real time as they hit the MLS. Because if they're hitting the MLS, they're also being listed on something that syndicates out to the other websites as well. So if you just go to Realtor.com or Trulia, or there's a couple other ones, and you put in your criteria, Every day, you're going to get new listings in your email. That's what I've been doing. Sure. So really, identifying well, with how many other people identifying the property is not the, the biggest role of a real estate agent. You need them for negotiating. You need them for guiding you through the process. And as a buyer, they're free to you. So they need to be bringing some real, real value. My thinking is you're not happy with the way the process is going with you basically being forced to like put on a blindfold and somebody lead you through the next step. And that's not your character, so I fully understand. But getting a real estate license in the state that you live in, that you're buying in, which I assume you're going to continue living there, is a very small amount of time in investment. And you take a state exam, which I can tell you something about the state exam. My my guess is the New York state exam might be slightly more difficult than the Charleston state exam. That's a bias. That's Charleston a bias. State. Charleston state's a tough school. To I'm sorry. The, <laughs> the South Carolina, the South Carolina state exam. For the okay. record, I, I did it at Wells Fargo as a banker that was not allowed to originate loans. They just figured that it was cheaper to insure us as licensed people to 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 mortgage officers. It took me all six hours and Wells Fargo paid for it and they're not generous. So it well, didn't cost that much. Really, all I'm asking for here, it, and like to, to answer the, the accusations of the peanut gallery, I'm well aware that as part of a negotiation, I'm going to start somewhere and have to move up from there. And that I can't just like, unless I'm willing to lose the property, then I can't just dig into an argument and say, I'm not, I'm not going to budge on this. So I'm aware but, that negotiations are a push and pull. And I get that, time. but I've always seen, I, I'm just looking at your dating history where there's any push and pull and you just fuck off. So like, I don't know how this is going to work. All right. All right. So Guys, because that, very uh, much, because uh, unlike my dating history, this is transactional. 
Uh, I would I would argue that. Um, <laughs> so so look, um, but I, I think we 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 did a pretty good job explaining this major difference between HOA fees and common charges and maintenance fees. Um, well, let's get the peanut gallery to weigh in on this one. We haven't talked about HOA, the restrictions pro or con. that. Depends. Are you? Well, would you buy a place that has that's in an HOA? Let me just ask the live crowd. Yeah. You guys are watching live. Do you, and, and you own, which I realize is a decreasing population because of whatever direction the economy is going. Um, if you own, if you own a condo, a co-op, or a home that's in an HOA and you pay these fees, it's more specifically in, if you're in an HOA, but yeah. I suppose about all three, because um, I'm curious, We've been exceedingly boring tonight because a lot of people are not really interested in these facts of you know the questions about buying and homeowner and obviously the back and forth about James Dayton. But um, I'm I'm curious if if anybody's for HOAs or against HOAs and why. I have a feeling we're not going to get much. um, we're not going to get much feedback, but I'm just going to hit the comments real quick and see uh, see what I got on here. Uh, let's you, see. You, you do that, Justin. Also, keep in mind you did want to circle back to the whole neon swastika and blaring music so, example yeah. for HOAs. I'm not, I'm not seeing I'm not seeing much in in, the, in terms of the comments on on the buying. I think also an interesting read that you can, I don't know. All right. So uh, let me. Yeah, we're way back. People wanted to join. Uh, so I got an email yesterday, and you know, my one of my something that drives me fucking insane is when I show up to work, and you know, I had difficult difficult time parking yesterday. I didn't want to pay for a garage. I spent some time in the street driving around in rectangles trying to find parking. I finally found a space. And I had to walk forever in a day. It was, it was like almost a mile. I had to walk then up to the office. And, uh, you know, by the time I got to the office, I was pissed. And um, I sit down, I look at my email. And there was a couple, so I don't want to get, I don't want to get too um, specific about this. But there was an issue with racism in my office. Uh, I didn't get the full story. I was just made aware that there something may have happened. I needed, you know, and, and not even that any action needed to be taken, but just kind of wanted my opinion. And I said, well, find out if things are copacetic or if you think action needs to be taken, or even if no action really should be taken, if maybe a conversation or a quick word with somebody needs to be had. Um, the thing about racism is that a lot of it's unintentional and it's just usually just dumb people doing racist shit, the majority of it. Um, but then I opened my email after somebody sitting, sitting a down. good amount. I don't know. Obviously, there's some crazy like swastika. I'm just not but, sure about the majority, but I, I'd say a good amount is, I mean, like you know, the good old fashioned well intentioned racism where they don't really mean it, but like it's still racist as fuck. Well, there's uh, also the whole implicit bias thing where like you don't even- That's a different aspect of it. So, so hear me out. And because this is not implicit bias. And this is not a kind of slight, <laughs> slight- uh, All right. Let's I got an email. I got an email. Somebody's saying urgent, like open immediately. I opened it and it's like, are you aware X person working at your organization is a sexist, misogynist, racist, uh, anti-Semitic, like that, and and then went on and on about all of this stuff, and then included probably a dozen screenshots about shit that was said on in Facebook groups and um, in Facebook posts and things like that. And that person was fired from my company, first of all, almost two years ago. Now, no racist issue came up when that person was working. However, I was suspect of this person kind of belonging to certain organizations. Um, 
but very short-lived career. You don't know everything about everybody before you hire them. And you can't. You can't. And, they, and it, it'd be wrong to try to figure all of that out ahead of time because that's well. I'm, so wait, let me tell you, you when I responsible for someone who no longer even works for you. Well, that's that's yeah. But when I, I when I interview someone, I don't do an are you racist search. I'm going to see if you're racist. Okay. I look you up on social media. If it looks relatively clean, you know, that's fine. That's all. What if there's nothing reasonable. on social media? Then that's fine. Like, what am that's I? That's perfect. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, that's I'm perfect. Digging. Nothing to crucify you with. I'm not, yeah, I'm not digging, digging with. Um, the one thing that the person did send is they sent the person a LinkedIn page, which said they still work at my organization. But really, this person has like, like eight LinkedIn connections. And the page hasn't been updated in three, you know, or in two and a half years. <laughs> but in what I want to get at is I want to kind of touch on, uh, first off, at my company, I want to make this very clear. Being racist or judgmental or biased, um, I don't stand for it. And often I call people out on them and them saying things that they don't, that they don't quite realize that they're saying. And steering is something that is a, an illegal term, which means like directing people to a neighborhood based off ethnicity or race or, or you know, their gender, or, you know, family status or something like that. Um, like, oh, a lot of gay people live in this area. You, sh you should live in Hell's Kitchen. Like, that's, that's steering, and that's illegal. Um, and I catch people everyone, you know, like someone might have a client that's blaming, you know, who, who does like, uh, who acts in like hair or something like that, and they dress in drag. Hair is a, a Broadway show that they dress in drag, right? I don't Why know. are you asking us? We so both I hate Broadway. We both hate musicals so much that we've okay. left the entire state of New York. Yeah, couldn't get far enough away. Fair enough, but but I'll have fucking off. Broadway chases us, but goddamn it, fuck you, San Francisco. Um, but but I have people be like, oh, I found in this place. I'm going to be really comfortable, and I'm like, no, no, you can't say it. First off, I want you to backtrack as to what made you think that, and then realize that you need to be finding them the best property based on a number of factors. If they happen to go to the neighborhood and feel comfortable there, that's one thing. But like you have to understand. So I, I and it doesn't happen very often, right? But a couple of things that I noticed is this person uh, like just literally ripped the agent to shreds. And the posts that were bad, they dug into them and then like. I'm thinking of like, what's the bullet, a hollow point bullet that like obviously goes through you and it explodes with inside you? Like yeah, you hollow know, point. I like, I like thinking that? about, I like thinking about the knife into the ribs and then you twist well, because that, you, that, it's very intimate. You're right up to their body and then you twist the knife and it's just like that much more painful because you, you're looking into their eyes at that point. But I was real, I was really romantic. I was really frustrated, guys, because it was the person was right <clears throat> and it was something that was obviously out of my control and then catching up with me almost two years later and I'm yeah. hoping it was no reflection on me but <clears throat> I just a lot of this stuff just really like I want to I want to and you guys both grew up uh, in a semi-Jewish household and, and very I, accurate yeah, well, it was. No, uh, no, I wasn't joking. That's very. Yeah. It was semi-Jewish. It was very middling. So, but so I did. I was. I. I was. I. I like. It was one of those. I got this email. I was like, "Fuck!" I. I just got to the office. I'm like, I gotta leave the office now and take a, a walk around the block. Um, but the agent shared a post, and I'll read it to you. Ooh. Uh, missed that I, last part. I, I'm, I'm, I, this person shared a post, so they took someone else's post and then basically reposted it. Um, but I'm just curious, kind of, this is this is probably the least mean thing, but Ooh. and I know I know there's a, a degree of kind of hatred or like 
two premises or whatever you want to call it behind it. But I, I just want your opinion. This is the shared host. Hello, everyone. Just a reminder that Hanukkah is one of the least important occasions on the Hebrew calendar. It is mostly just an envious 20th century coup fueled by their constant desire to feel oppressed and slighted. In practical terms, it's fake and gay. You know what? I've actually never bought Hanukkah candles. The Rothschild bankers have always bought them for me. Do you like and the those... space laser? So <laughs> when they have the time. So to me, this, I, I don't want to, I, I hate getting political, but um, what, power, this made me power, think, power through it. what this made me think was somebody saying, fuck Catholics. They celebrate Christmas like it's about Rudolph and Frosty and Santa. And they have no idea even what they're celebrating. And it's just gay and shit. Because he basically called it fake and gay. Now, if you want to say gay is in a celebratory, like, cool, by all means. But I don't think that's... No, that's not the context. I don't, know, I don't think anybody uses that word that way anymore. Uh, but, but, I mean... I I'm pretty know. gay at this conversation. So, what... What was really the root of this that pissed me off is that people just say mean things. And that drives me insane. Like, why do you want to post something online or like go to somebody else's post and just say some shit underneath the post? Like what 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 place in that world in, in our world does that happen? I had this conversation with a friend at my my mortgage company today because he he did these friendly little trollings on this climbing and hiking community where you just talk about how that rope's not going to support you. They're completely harmless, but just like saying completely wrong things just to get a response. I'm fully in favor of that. That's really funny. Uh, James, Ken M, I yeah. sent him that well, link. But there's a huge difference between saying something that is willfully stupid just to get a response and saying something like the Jews are going to fire a space laser and they did it. They can't fire in California in 2018 and they killed 3,000 people. Like there's a huge difference between these two okay, equally well, outlandish well, statements. What's the intent? Well, I mean, I think, I think the intent with this one was the similar idea of me attacking the Catholics and saying you've, you've lost the point in, as far as the Jewish holidays are concerned, this isn't a high holiday. And it's been, it's been kind of uh, not fake, but that he used the word fake. And I think the direction he was going was you're competing with Christmas. Well, it's been commercialized because it's been it commercialized to coincide roughly with the holiday season. Well, if it's been commercialized, then why didn't the Jews control it? They, well, they, they do. But, but look, okay, but, okay, okay, okay. But my what what just drove me nuts was that people share just people just kind of you know like go around and kick people on shoes. It's and, a mouse click away to share something hateful. That's it's so easy. They it made is, it so it easy. But what I, what like when I go online and I see people that say shit that I very much disagree with. You know, for the most part, I don't follow a lot of people that say things that I really disagree with. And a lot of the times, most of the stuff that I disagree with is short-sighted liberalness, which I'm pretty liberal, but, you know, like the cancel rent thing, where I'm like, I get there. that's a good idea, except that I get not. there, too. I get there, too, because you're talking about canceling rent for a lot of single-family homes that are counting on this one single property to support them. Like, I don't agree with the cancel rent thing. If you're going to cancel rent, then the government's going to fucking pay for it. Don't make the property owners pay for it. If mm -hmm. you're going to do a government-inspired action, the government's paying for it. Not yeah. You don't get to say that it's called an unfunded mandate. You get to say, we're going to make you do this, but we're not going to supply any resources to do yeah. it. I agree. I'm as liberal as I come. James will agree. I'm further left than he is, which is further left than you are. I don't agree with the cancel rent. That's stupid. Oh, That's but but again, you know, I, I may make a comment in in the cancel in a cancel rent post and be like, but I get it, I get it that someone why would you do that? But but I, 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 like a sec, I get another beer. Um, I might say something along the lines of like I get it that you know you can't afford rent and you don't deserve to be evicted, 
but this shouldn't be at the landlord's sole expense, uh, as in they're not getting any help and they're technically being screwed by the government. I 100% agree with you, but the, the only difference between our two positions is who the onus lays on. Right. And in right. New York City, where so many of, how many of your clients work in food and bath? Right. Have been fought. Uh, many, many. But here's but right. Here, so I'm just trying to like hear me out. They, David, they, hear me they, out. What I'm they, saying they is get that, help. what I'm saying is that uh, I'm not going to go to this. I, I'm not talking about cancel rent. I'm talking about the culture in saying hateful things online. I'm not going to well, go to yeah. that person's. Sorry, you just said be like the, the cancel rent program. So sure. I, I can only address the issues that you're bringing up. About the cancel rent. We're not talking about the cancel rent culture. What we're talking about is hateful things being said. Whereas I'm, what okay. I'm saying is I may go inside and offer a different opinion or a conflicting opinion, but I'm not going to say you want to cancel rent. I know, but before and you don't want to work. This because is on a social media group. And why are you commenting? Because what because could that ever? Because I, because I share some values with these people. That, that's fine. But why, what, what value could that ever get you, Justin? But, but you're what I'm, my, I'm opinion. asking you a question. You, you, you spent, a certain amount of time typing this comment up and you posted it that is a an amount of time how much do you make hourly you don't have to say it doesn't matter but multiply that by hourly and you spent money doing that for what return well how many hearts but, and minds are you going to change here but but look there here's here's my thinking is that it's like me talking to QAnon and saying that the jews aren't actually drinking the blood well, of kids also, like i know yeah. i could do that and i'm i'm correct but it would cost me David. time and I would get no movement. Okay. I haven't done this recently, but when the cancel rent uh, hashtag started appearing in April of last year, that's when I was making some comments. When I realized it was a whole movement and it was a fucking landlord movement, then I disengaged. Okay. But when it was a new thing, I tried to add some perspective. But what I'm saying... <laughs> I'm what not I'm blaming you for ever having yeah. a say in the conversation. I, I would never, ever, ever do that, especially how the well, uh, has point, changed it, over the last I, year. Hold on, listen to me. At that point, it was a conversation. Now it's not a conversation. Yeah. So you're looking at it from the perspective of now. Back then, well, it was more of a conversation, and then it, it got some wind, some wind on, under its wing, and it's taken off. My, I, I always that, want to have a conversation about something. Sure. I don't ever want to But that's you, James, I, and a lot of our listeners. But what I'm saying is that I just I don't think it's, and I don't seem to be getting any traction with you. Saying hateful things like you're just poor and you don't want to work isn't a constructive way to get at that. And I don't understand. No, no it isn't. What I want to do is I, I don't, I want to, I want no, to it's not. people. I want to draw attention to the people that are saying shit things for the sake of riling people up. You, you kind of have to drown out the 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 one point eight three percent on both sides of the standard deviation because they're fucking crazy. You you have to deal with the 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 other ninety six percent ninety six point four, like that. That's how you're gonna make it by. I'm not defending any of the cantankerous shit that you get saying hey we need to cancel rent no i don't believe in that you're living in a place someone else owns that you sign a contract saying you're going to pay them to live there i'm sorry that you lost your job i know the economy's shit but that's not the the private property owner's fault that not, you do because they missing, have their own shit their point. own obligations you're missing what's my, your point you're not biting you're not biting what i'm saying you're not biting on the fact that somebody goes in there Make me bite. And says, well, I'm, I'm not going to, we're, we, we're reaching the time here. But what I'm saying is someone goes to a group or somebody says something that's hateful and I don't quite know what's driving that. And I think we need to have a discussion as to what's driving. Here's my theory. Well, we're, we hit the time. So if it can, if well, it's yeah. theory, if it's a theory, but like I said. And loan pricing is way different. But what I said is, this hate is, loan pricing. You know, this is this is a I do. This is a greater conversation. It's just that you brought up the swastika in the in the in the window, and it just made me think the fact that somebody would do that in my in my world makes them a bad person. So here's I the agree. here's the quick psychological analysis on this. 
is the type of people that are posting hateful shit on the internet, not to be funny, but just to be hateful just and vitriolic. Right. So these are the types of people that one don't get much attention in their life. I think that's a very good point, James. They're not getting much attention. So what's the easiest way to get attention? Do something negative. Provocative. And, and also not negative, provocative. But cool. They 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 tell Yeah, us. but it's really hard to do something provocative and positive. Okay. So sorry. Go ahead. Uh the James, James Dutch 14 year old. Okay, but whatever the case is, like these people are looking for attention. They can't get it through positive means because they either lack the ability or the personality to get positive attention. And the internet makes it very easy for them to get negative attention. So they're just going to say the worst things possible to get people riled up. And they also, these are people that probably don't have much else going for themselves in their life. So this is one way that they can feel temporarily important because they're able to get a response from other people that are more important than them, which in their own mind's equivalence makes them as important as the people that are responding to them. Well said. Let's leave it there. Let's, uh, let's conclude the episode. I think this is a topic we can really dive into, and I'd love to get, I'd love to get some more perspective on it. But we hit the time limit. Um, and, so to uh, sum it all up, it's all the Jews' fault? <laughs> I, hey, no, I'm saying the contrary. Uh, but thank you, Mel Gibson. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I guess we won't shoot a laser at you tonight because you said it wasn't our fault. Thank you. All right, guys. I'll talk <laughs> you're, to you. You're very welcome. Adios. All right. Cheers. Yeah, bye, guys. All right. Like I said in the beginning, be nice. You be nice to people. You're going to live a much better life. That's my advice. That's the take home. Also, hit me up if you're looking to buy or sell. And uh, I'll catch you guys in the next one. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.